Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, and welcome to another hand-picked episode the dad and I have grabbed from the barrel of episodes, which we keep in the corner of the room. It's it's a very big barrel. It's it's so... not like the barrel in the safe, like in the bank. Oh no no no! It's no town. It I mean it's a little bit like that. Yeah, but with no body in it. There's no body in it, but there's lots and lots of podcast episodes in there. So as mentioned last episode, over the Christmas period, Dad and I are going to be curating a an artisanal list of our personal favorite episodes of Loose Units, and this week is called The Real Underbelly. Dad, this is a story that took place largely in Karingai Chase National Park. Mm. This involves yep. Mr. Asia. Mm. And it's such an amazing story, listeners. And I, I know I use these words. I have a, a sort of a, a small bag of words that you know people like to sort of hear me use time and time again. But this is the classic story when on that very famous TV series, Underbelly, mm. and said to me, that's Paul's sister, oh, Dad, do you know anything about, you know, this story that's on TV? And all of a sudden, it cuts to a guy, a member of the New South Wales Scientific or Forensic Services, was in a grave exhuming a headless body. Yeah. And guess what? That was me. Yeah. Yeah. So technically, there's an actor out there who played you in Underbelly. Correct. I'd like to find out who it was. It's a ripping yarn. Yeah, it's a bloody good story. Also, it forms the sort of backbone of the book Electric Blue, but this is the first time it's ever told on the show uh, that we're replaying for you. It was such a great episode. We had so much fun telling this story. Uh, Well, I had fun listening to this story. It really did my head in for a while. And it is widely regarded by fans of the show all over the world as one of our best episodes. So whether you've heard it before and you want to hear it again, or whether you've never heard it before and this is your first time, please strap in and enjoy the absolute thrill ride that is the real underbelly. And strap in, not strap on. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 1980s in Sydney, which has been widely regarded as one of the most dangerous times to be a police officer in Australia. It was basically the Wild West. So I wrote a book about it. It was called Loose Units. And then we did a podcast about it. Loose Units Season 1 was an incredible experience, and we loved every minute of it. But it turns out that Dad did more than just patrol the streets. He plunged headfirst into the terrifying world of forensics. So on this season of Loose Units, that's what we're doing. We're going deep into the world of forensics and fingerprints and all of that good stuff. Well, I say good stuff. Actually, things got worse than ever. So strap in for Loose Units Season 2, Electric Blue. 
Hello everyone and welcome to another horrifying episode of Loose Units 2 Electric Blue. I'm Paul Verhoeven, your host, and with me is my ex-cop dad, John Verhoeven. Dad, last week's episode was harrowing. Mm. Really harrowing. So I I asked you to pop together kind of like a degustation menu for me where you would actually write down prompts for Mm. for dishes or cases, if you will, that that you thought would be a bit lighter. Mm. And you've got written at the top of the... There's nothing light in this series. Yeah, but I asked for light and Mm. you you just wrote written headless body. This is not light. Look, but that's what I'm saying. You've you've erred and I would like you to... Is that like erred? Is that not how you pronounce it? No, it's erred. You sure? No. All right, so what would you like me to... Well, like I said, I said come up with something nice and fun and frothy yes, to yes. Ca- counteract the trauma of last week's episode, mm. and you've just written Headless Body. Correct. So I would like this story to have a kind of up ending, but but mm. I trust your judgment. Thank you. So without further ado, please regale our listeners with the story of the Headless Body. Okay, well, look, um, as um, the listeners mm. of this wonderful series, season two... <laughs> I believe this is episode five. five. Wow, yeah. golly, we're really getting into it. Mm. So I gave it a lot of thought. Now, as the listeners know, I was involved in uh, forensics and a particularly interesting case. Now, it was weird in that we used to finish around about 5 p.m., yep. Monday to Friday, and then we were on, on call. Mm. And then around about 11 o'clock one night, bearing in mind I was relieved and assist, so I was sort of like the third guy, mm. Um got a call, sworn to secrecy, and um, we... You're going to ruin that now. Well, we were sworn to secrecy <laughs> okay. that night. There's a statute of and, limitations. And, and, and I, I was picked up uh, by my colleague in uh, in the station wagon that uh, I had alluded to in a previous podcast. Yes. Because that was the standard fare in terms of transport. So we could fit all our little boxes of interesting of, uh, things anal in the thermometers. It's just it's, it's anal thermometers from Arsehole to Breakfast. Correct. Yeah. And um, got picked up and... Drove to a location. Now, this is a really weird story. We drove to the Kuringai National Park. I know it well, but for people who aren't from New South Wales, what, what is it like? How big okay, is it? Okay, well, it's a national park, and it's um, on the outskirts of Sydney, mm. on on sort of the northern beaches, north shore part of Sydney. Yeah. And it was super dark. I mean, it's nighttime, obviously, and people might go, yeah, that's... But it was actually... There was no moon, so it was actually super... Du- You're laughing, Paul. Yeah, I just... the des- Describing the concept I mean, of darkness. Hang on a sec, Paul. <laughs> Paul, um, if there was a moon, yeah. like, for example, a full moon, sure. it would not be super dark. But as you as you've established, there was no moon. Correct. And therefore, it was super Extremely dark. Extremely dark. Now, just quickly, Karingai uh, National Park, are we talking... Uh, are we talking mangroves? Are we talking... No, 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 no. Right, so what kind of... Um, um, mountain. Oh, shit. And uh, gum trees. Okay. Possibly koalas, but we didn't see any. Very Australian. Yeah, very. (laughs) Anyway, uh, it's really uncool for me to laugh going into this dark story because it sounds as though I'm not, you know, as I'm, well, taking the whole thing fairly with with a bit of brevity. We've talked on the podcast before about gallows humour and about how you cope with things. Mm. Look, this story, it's, it's a wacky story. Oh, good. So we were given these bizarre instructions because there are really no signs in the national park. Once you enter the national park and you head up into, into sort of into the the eerie sort of no man's land. Is this hang on? Is this the enclosed national park in D Y? No, that's 
What's that one that's, called? Um, you know the one <laughs> I'm talking about, right? I know, yeah, that's, no. That's, no the reason um, I mention it is because we lived, um, listeners don't know this, but... For, for that a, was called Stony Range Flora and Fauna Reserve. Well remembered, and we lived on the back of that because we were the caretakers at an Anglican school for Private years, girls' school. At a private girls' school. Mm. And uh, you could crawl over the fence during the school holidays and get straight into the National True. Park. So what I was worried about was I was playing in a National Park where you'd found a headless body, but that's not the case. No, no, no. Okay, great. But you don't know yet that I found a headless body in the National Park. I mean, all the pieces That's are an there. assumption. <laughs> anyway, so we were given these really bizarre sort of clues uh, to get to this. It was like being on a, ra- a rally with really just like, it was fairly cryptic. Who and gives you the cryptic clues? We were given though? these cryptic clues by some detectives. They basically told us to meet them at a certain point in the National Park and... Once we met them, they would then instruct us as to what was required. So at this point in the story, it's night time. I'm sort of wide-eyed and, you know, pretty excited thinking it's obviously we're we're in forensics. We're heading into the middle of nowhere on the outskirts of Sydney. We don't know what we're doing. We just know that we're meeting some detectives. So eventually we come to some unmarked cars and it turns out that these detectives, they weren't local detectives. In fact, the local police had been kept out of the picture, which oh. is a little bit weird. Normally the local Ds like to be kept abreast of everything happening in their t- on their turf. The local what? Ds. D for detective. Oh, was that? A, I didn't know that was a... That was so a... can you imagine the letter D in uppercase with an apostrophe then a small s? Yeah. Ds. Uh-huh. That's what we used to affectionately call... Detectives. Huh. You haven't heard that before? Never. Fascinating. You never mentioned it during the writing Isn't of the book. amazing? Yeah. Wow. So anyway, we met the Ds, but these particular detectives were from the Homicide Squad. And I rarely... These Homicide Squad detectives in New South Wales were regarded as minor deities. They were exceptional on so many levels. Yeah. Uh, to, to get into homicide, you had to uh, be the absolute uh, you know, creme de la creme of of detectives. They had to be super smart, be able to remember incredible detail and be um, tenacious and, and brilliant. How do you make a foray into being a detective? You start off in detectives training, A-list, which I did. Yeah. And you, if you're fortunate enough, you become a uh, detective and then you work your way up and you are, I don't think you ever get to apply to join Homicide. I think you're invited. Oh, okay. It's like the wand chooses the wizard. Yeah, that's right. And and these, uh, you know, I, I met a few homicide detectives over the years and I had nothing but admiration for them. They, they were exceptional. Homicide detectives. Cause yeah, homicide. Yeah. We've talked quite frequently about um, certain strains of, uh, of the, the detective wing of the police mm. where you found some really awful characters. But what mm. you're saying is there are some really great ones oh, as phenomenal. well. phenomenal. You know, the, the, the different squad tended to determine what type of perhaps person you were. Sure. You know, like there was the armed hold-up squad. There was uh, the consorting squad, which we've touched on in in, in the first series. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we met these uh, detectives, and they made it very clear to us that um, we were uh, under under extreme uh, scrutiny in terms of never to divulge what we were about to to encounter. Sure. And uh, it was on that night. It was summer. Uh, that I recall, they had a uh, a guy with them. In he was handcuffed. So he was in custody, and boy, oh boy, he was a freaky, scary guy. Could you describe him? Um, he would have been probably around about 40, 
and he looked like a um, look. It's weird generalising, isn't it? But you know, he had that air about him. He was dressed in prison greens because mm. in New South Wales, at least, at uh, Long Bay Jail, um, the colour of the the outfit they wear is that 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 green. Yeah, I'm. I uh, <laughs> Dad's staying with me at the moment, and. I entered the room this morning wearing the Hawkins PD, um, the phys ed uniform from Stranger Things. And it's this lovely shade of green. And rather than saying, hey, cool clothes, Paul, Dad said, oh, prison greens. Hmm. So you're saying that I look like I'm from a prison. Well, it's, it just happens to be pretty well the same colour. Oh. Um, which, is, which is an aside. So he's in prison greens. He's handcuffed. He looks somewhat uh, dishevelled. Mm. And now this story, I'm just trying to figure out the best way do I... Do I tell the listener who he was? Um, yeah, look, I'll, I'll I'll just move in a little bit as to this guy. He had been taken from Long Bay Jail that night. Sure. And he had told, he had information, because quite often in life, if there's been uh, a murder, sometimes the government of the day will grant amnesty. Yeah, sure. Or a pardon to those people that can give them information as to... Uh, the whereabouts uh, of a body, for example, where a crime was committed, providing they weren't actually the murderer. So this particular guy said uh, that he had heard on the grapevine in jail in his time at Long Bay Mm. that he'd become aware of a particular uh, victim of a murder and he'd heard that he knew or he said to the homicide squad that he actually knew where this particular guy was buried. Now... It was fairly difficult for us to find on this road the police that were waiting for us. And then, as the story will unfold, you'll begin to realise that, well, I think this guy perhaps had been at this particular scene during what I'm about to tell you. And why do you say that? There's no way on earth someone could have been told a particular story and then taken the police to this particular point on an unmarked road at night time... <laughs> In the excuse me, in the in the bushes in Sydney. Anyway, so we all started traipsing into the bush, and we're walking through thick, thick scrub at night time. And I'm thinking, what on earth's going on here? We just had torches, and we're walking for probably maybe a hundred meters. Yeah. We're truly in the middle of nowhere. And then this particular guy who's in custody, he tells us all to stop, and we all stand around. And they point the torches down and he says, dig here. So everyone looks at me. So I had the job with my little shovel because we'd been told to bring some uh, some shovels and things. So yeah. that sort of was a bit of an indicator. Mm. And I started digging and I got down around about maybe 18, maybe 20 inches. Are they all just watching you dig? Yeah, they're all standing point? around. That seems... There's no one's talking. Are you wearing the suede shoes from the last no, episode? No, no, no. I was wearing... Um, Mm, let me think. I may have been wearing overalls. Um, Strong look. Because I was, uh, I, you know, I'd been told, um, well, I, we, we, my boss had been briefed that we, there may be a bit of digging involved, but he oh. hadn't told me. Okay. And um, so I'm digging away. And then uh, I'll never forget, I uh, I found a zipper in the uh, in the dirt. And as I began to dig, I had the most unfortunate uh, situation of, discovering a, uh, uh, well, human remains. And uh, it was heavy duty. And uh, I worked for some probably 
maybe 20 to 30 minutes and I was the only person in the hole. So I was actually sort of in the hole with this uh, with this skeleton. Oh, was, skele- a skeleton? Skeletal. Right, what was it, it wearing? Do you remember what, what it was Just wearing? not, just clothes, you know, just pretty basic. But, um, you know, you know how you get the sense that if you've sort of... You, I could figure out the top and the bottom. I could figure out the feet, yeah. the legs. But then, you know, you tend to think that um, around about the chest and above the chest, you're going to find, you know, a head. It's basic maths. Yeah, yeah. and there was no head. So then we had ascertained that uh, it was a headless body. Mm. And uh, further uh, investigation by me mm. rever- realised that, in fact, there were no hands. So that was headless and handless. Now, just, just quickly, from an outsider's perspective, that seems like the best way to dispose of a body and have no one identify it because you can't get dental records, you can't get fingerprints. Correct. Is that, yeah. is that, was I, am I right? Is that- yeah, spot on. Okay. Uh, I guess I can just creep forward a little bit in saying that the modus operandi of this particular of the murderer yep his mo mm. was always to remove the hands and he uh always shot or generally shot the uh the victim and then taking the head with him would then mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Because generally the bullet would be still inside the the skull, right? And then if you take the head with the bullet inside it, there's no ballistics evidence, and you'd get rid of the head somewhere else. How clever is that? Maybe at a different national park. Well, that's actually not so silly, but that reminds me of another story that we'll touch on later. Sure. Okay. So at this point, you've got a headless, handless skeleton. Yeah, sort of uh, wrapped, dressed in 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 fairly. Um, Standard We're talking clothing. Casual or formal or No, what? no, just neat, you know, casual, I suppose. Neat casual perhaps. Sure. And at this point, like how does the are you paying any attention to the person who directed you there at this point? I'd or? occasionally look up at him and he'd be just sort of you know, standing fairly blankly. Wasn't upset by the whole no, thing? No, not in the slightest. Okay. And I'd already figured in my mind that he'd actually been at the scene of the murder. Right. That was pretty obvious to me. Mm. Anyway, so I'm working away and slowly revealing the entire body yep and then uh there was this silence that sort of like a pall of silence that fell over the group 
So I guess there would have been all up maybe 10 people there. We're all standing around. I'm in the hole. And then it became fairly clear that there was this kind of a noise and a, a bit of a weird glow. Not coming from... I know what you're thinking because I, I can see your eyes getting wider. Um, no, not from inside the... Uh, the hole. I didn't think the body was reanimating magically in no, front no, of you. No, but I mean, it was pretty, pretty freaky. I mean, because, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, but the the, the, the we became aware that there was this uh, like a bit of a bit of a noise. You could hear hear twigs breaking, and and there was a light, and the light was getting stronger and stronger. Right. And everyone's going, "What on earth is happening?" We're in the middle of nowhere, exhuming a headless body from as it turns. Oh, I'll come to that later. But okay. The thing is, we're all sort of trying to be quiet and figure out what on earth's happening and 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 the bush is literally starting to glow white. Holy shit. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it was? No. There used to be a show on TV on Channel 10 called Harry Potter's Live Eye. Not the Harry Potter you're thinking about, but Harry Potter the news. It was like he was like the crime uh, sort of... He was an amazing guy and he used to do the crime reports every night on Channel 10 and his name... Well, I'm quite sure it was Harry... His, his surname was definitely Potter. You think it's the, like Harry Potter, the journalist who lived. Are you? Is this real? Yeah, and he's coming with a full crew. What? And they've got the, the big spotlights on the big cameras, and it's live TV. Oh, fuck! Yeah, yeah, really? Yeah, and we're being, being <laughs> we're being beamed in live to Channel Ten. No, no, this is so bad. No, it's really fu- it's fucked up because we, you'll begin to realise it's an active crime scene. But not only that. Look, detectives back in the day used to be called the Glory Boys. I remember, so I, yeah. You we... know, I, they used to love a bit of, you know, publicity. Oh, so they they probably... Well, someone in the group had no. actually notified Harry Potter. Oh, shit, what was his name? Harry? <laughs> Fucking Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, no, it's really throwing me because oh, I'm no, just the... picturing Harry, the, 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 the book character coming along. Yeah, who he, you remember he found that body under the stairs. Let mm. me just... We can look that up later, but look, yeah. for now. So you think one of the Glory Boys wanted to... Hang on, when you... Were they like, did they have their hair done? They were looking pretty spiffy. They always it, look good. Right, but I mean... You... Homicide detectives, they wore three-piece suits. They were always you know, pretty suave. Sure. Okay. So, you know, the, the full-blown, and unfortunately it was um, Channel 10's live eye. Oh so, you, you know, they, you just, the fact is that you're on live, you're being beamed across God knows, and it was really heavy. Because, look, at the time it was weird, um, you know, a little bit exciting. I'm sort of, and they're, they're filming me in, in the hole sort of looking up this sort of young, sort of wide-eyed, you know, junior forensics guy sort of looking up at the camera and they're yeah. filming me. And um, anyway, so we go back to the uh, to the office and the next day... Um, Hang on, sorry. I just want to find out, like, how, what what are you doing when the, the you cover the body and tell them to leave? Like, oh, no, what? no. We, uh, you know, we, we collect the remains. Yeah. On camera? Well, uh I'm not sure they they probably didn't film the entire event, but sure. they got a, a lot of it. They got it. Okay. okay, so this is all the listeners out there are going. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting story. But here's the the heavy part of the story. Okay, so that's the bit of brevity and lightness that I've injected into this episode. Well, I mean, there was a headless body, but otherwise, yeah, it was pretty yeah, light. Well, you know, but but it was a fairly jovial uh, yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. What happened to me the next day and my colleague is that we uh, received a phone call from Internal Affairs uh-huh. and we had to go in and be interrogated by Internal Affairs because it turns out that it was part of the Stuart Royal Commission into Mr. Asia. Uh, Terence Clark, who was the Mr. Big in the world 
of heroin dealing. We're talking the number one badass in the world. I mean, you've got you guys in South America, but this guy was super, super bad. And he, his MO was he just used to murder people. And he was a contract killer. And he started off as a two-bit petty criminal in New Zealand. And he just worked his way up. And he, he, uh, he was a really, really bad guy. And they'd never been able to track this guy down. Because as I said, every time he killed someone, he'd either completely, um, well, he'd shoot them in the head. But in England, he, uh, he called over one of his um, cohorts from Australia. And yeah. it, to entice him, he said they were going to be involved in a massive heroin deal in England. And what he did was he, he had him murdered as well. And that particular body was put into, I believe, a Jaguar. Uh, so he was he was bashed and shot, put into a, a car. Then he was, they were, while he was still inside the car, he was then the car was wheeled off a cliff, into a quarry that had water in the bottom of it, and they thought that'd be the end of it. But what happened was some recreational divers were diving in the pit, and they realised that this Jaguar had not, in fact, gone right to the very bottom. It had been caught on a ledge, and they looked inside it and saw a headless body that it turns out Mr. Asia, Mr. Clark, had murdered. They exhumed and sort of, you know, got cranes in and pulled the, the, the Jaguar up and managed to identify this particular cohort of Mr. Clark, Mr. Asia. So we ended up having this massive Royal Commission, a very, very famous Royal Commission. And um, obviously uh, the judge in charge yeah. was really, 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 really upset because this was a covert um, secret operation to exhume and work on some some major major crucial secret sort of you know criminal investigation that we were all working on and then all of a sudden it's beamed across national news oh, with sh- Potter's live eye shit. so Mr uh, you know the, the the judge was as you can imagine he would have uh, woken up the next morning to it was splashed across the front pages and it was on TV and there's this footage of me in this hole uh, digging up this headless body as part of the Mr Asia drug in um, sort of Royal Commission. Now, Royal Commissions are, are, are no lightweight event. You know, you can compel people to give evidence and it's, and it's the big league. So he was totally, totally pissed off. And then all the police that were there that night were, were then interrogated by internal affairs to find out who had contacted the media. Yep. And, of course, I hadn't. Well, that was laughable, but still had to go through the process. Mm. Okay, so that's my little Mr. Asia story. But then years and years later, your sister, lovely Anne, yeah, yeah. she, because uh, we had this weird rule, you kids know that we didn't have a TV for years and then when we did have a TV, you know, we'd only let you watch certain stuff. And Basically it was ABC and SBS. ABC and SBS. And I actually said that to a particular person some months ago and she turned around, turned around to me and said, well, you're a bit of a wanker, aren't you? Which I thought was a bit, a bit well, a bit tough and a bit rude, but that aside that these were the family rules. And a couple of years ago, there was that TV show, Underbelly. Yes. And that was banned in New South Wales. Why is that? Because it was so controversial in terms of, you know, the Sydney underworld. But you could see it, funnily enough, in Melbourne. So when it eventually did make its way to Sydney, I remember one night on our television, Anne said to me, she said, oh, Dad, um, this Underbelly thing, and they were actually having a, a scene of um, they were actually showing a scene from Underbelly, and it was like a, a like a, a promo. Yeah. And the scene is a police officer in a dust jacket in a grave, 
exhuming a headless body. And Anne said to me, oh, Dad, um, you know, what do you, do you know anything about this? Like, because I've always banged on about, but kept things fairly, you yeah, know. vague. Vague and because and one doesn't like to uh, distress one's, one's siblings and mm. children. But, um, and I said, Anne, I said, look, you're not going to believe this, but that person that you've just seen on the TV in that promo for Underbelly, that was actually me. And that's, I think that's staggering. I cannot quite process that. I, I think, did you ever end up watching the episode or no. tracking it down? No, I never watched the series. I would be curious to see who played you. I'd also be curious to see several things. I'd like to see the news footage from The Boy Who Lived. Mm. And I would like to see the episode and see who they cast and see how they did it. Um, did you ever find out who tipped people off? No, never. Never? No. But it definitely would have been... One well, of the detectives? Well, look, it's a tough one. Um, it could have been one of the local detectives that were pissed off that they weren't included in it. You just... Look, you just don't know. I can't imagine homicide, uh, but you just don't know. But it was weird. So, I guess I have a question about this Mr. Asia character. Is he still alive? No, he died in uh, in custody in uh, 1979/1980 in England. Wait, so he would have been dead by the time this body was found. Yeah, he was dead. I this when I was exhuming this headless body as part of the Stuart Royal Commission, that Mi- would have been around about 1983-84. So this body had been ostensibly in the at least buried for maybe 4 or 5 years, but here's something a little bit a, a little bit interesting. Yep. The night that this particular guy was murdered mm. and buried on the northern beaches. Yeah. This is freaky. Mr. Asia then drove to Avalon, which is a suburb fairly close by on the northern beaches of Sydney, and kidnapped the guy who he'd just murdered, the guy that I exhumed. He kidnapped his wife and he took her to the Blue Mountains, which is west of Sydney, and murdered her. How's that for heavy? Why did he do that? I don't know, but he he did. So, it's a, you know, he murdered a lot of people. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, this has been, frankly, one of the strangest episodes of this of this podcast mm. ever. And we've done quite a few episodes. Christ, I feel, I'm very, I feel winded after that. Hang on a sec. So I guess if any listeners to Loose Units, any of you have actually seen, um, seen the underbelly scene in question, uh, feel free to hop on the um, Loose Units Facebook page and start posting because I want to see if this character looks anything like you uh, because technically that means you've been on TV. Mm. That means that you are part of uh, the Underbelly TV show. Exciting, Paul. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, we end every episode with this segment, but I'm particularly excited about it today. Okay, here's a question from a listener. This is from Violetta Embargia. I'm writing a crime novel based in Melbourne. I'd love to know what kind of forensic testing is conducted as a preliminary analysis of a crime scene. Mm, that's a good question. Okay. Are we talking about now or then? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. I would say we should probably, given your expertise, are on the side of then for you, although mm. I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of anal thermometers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, um, the, what, look, obviously one of the key things about um, a forensic investigation is that it has to be a fairly important and major crime, okay? Mm. You know, you can't waste those resources. So we're talking, you know, shootings, yep. stabbings, arson... Um, kidnapping, um, you know, any terrorist situation, anything where, you know, it's it's a major crime and there's going to be a possibility mm. of finding incriminating evidence. Now, you might still have the person in custody, but you still need to create the case. 
So the prosecution are going to require lots and lots of evidence. Yeah. So you're talking DNA, you're talking spittle. So if the person was, for example, smoking a cigarette and then he discarded the cigarette butt, if he used the toilet, there can be stuff trapped in the system. Obviously, anything the person touched, the clothing, the fibres, hair, scrapings underneath fingernails. Look, it's all... And the, the key in any forensic investigation is that the scene not be... Um, contaminated. Contaminated. Yeah. And there was a very, very famous case in Sydney. Not sure whether I've ever mentioned this to you, but it's a particularly... Well, it's kind of... It's a bit sort of... I don't know whether I should talk about it, but look, I won't go into the details. Suffice to say that there was a very serious uh, crime that was committed once in Sydney and uh, they found fingerprints yeah. from police at this scene. Some of the police worked 40 kilometres away. So they all came in to have a sticky beak. Right. And the entire scene was pretty well destroyed. So it's very important once a police officer sees something that looks as though it's going to be serious, mm. they back off. No one's allowed in except the scientific investigators. Okay, but when you get to a crime scene, for example, uh, you arrive at the house, the um, the story a couple of episodes ago about the hoarder. When you got there and the place had been lit up and kind of prepared for you, what's the first thing you do when you enter? Like, what's your first... Take photographs. Photo oh, photos first. Okay. Photos first, because... It's really, really important to preserve the scene because once you start to go into a scene, a little bit like it's called destructive archaeology, mm. where as you go deeper and deeper, you are actually destroying evidence to get to whatever. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, when you go into a scene, you're actually going to, to, to you know, tamper with things perhaps inadvertently. Mm. That's really important. Also, years and years later, when you go to give evidence in the Supreme Court, the District Court, you need those photographs to be able to take you mentally back to that time. Yeah. So use that as a trigger. And then it's a matter of, you know, taking samples and, and, and being really smart and clever and trying to get into the mind of the criminal and see, you know, because you will have been to scenes like this before and you will have learnt and studied a lot at university. And, you know, I mean, I know now that it's a university based, you know, sort of forensic degree. But as I said to you before, in the day, it was on-the-job training, yeah. which I think was really, really, really good. Okay. Okay. I All hope right. I've sort of answered that, you know, I think you have that sort of way. Yeah, no, I think Violetta will be quite happy. Loose Units is proudly presented by Pillow Talk Productions. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.